Good evening, Demon fans, and welcome back to the Demon Land podcast. My name is Andy, and this week I really think it might be time for Panic Stations. We sit uh, 0-3 on the bottom of the ladder, and once again, we allow the team to kick 20 goals against us. Our finals chances are slipping away as we head on to the road to Sydney to attempt to steady the sinking ship that is our 2019 season. Tonight, I'm joined once again by my co-host, Grape Viney. Good evening, Grape Viney. Good evening, Andy. And you're heading up uh, up north with the team this week, so hopefully you can come back with those elusive uh, four points. I made the silly decision of booking this trip uh, prior to the start of the season, I think prior even to JLT, and it seemed to be a smart thing to do at the time, but uh, I must admit I'm regretting it at the moment. Uh, yes, uh, well, we're all regretting something, uh, probably regretting uh, following this team to begin with, uh, going all the way back. And speaking back, back by popular demand, uh, blogger, author, Twitter pundit, Adam 1.0, otherwise known as Super Mercado on demonland.com. Good evening, Super Mercado. Gentlemen, I, I always knew one day I'd be on here for a crisis meeting, uh, but I didn't think it would be this soon into the uh, post-preliminary final era. Is this our version of the honesty circle? Um, I think that's what they call Well, I mean, <laughs> we could be honest about footy players, I'm sure. I've got nothing ill will to say about you, gentlemen, but uh, I've probably got a bit to say about the footy club. And we'll talk about the honesty circle uh, shortly. If you'd like to join uh, our program tonight to discuss any of the topics that we talk about, you can give us a call on 0390163666 or Skype us at Demonland31. If you're listening to the show live, join us in the chat room. Uh, go to demonland.com slash podcast. You can ask questions, post comments. Well, we'll read out uh, some of them as we go along. Uh, if you're listening to this at another time via SoundCloud, or iTunes or an Android podcasting app, be sure to subscribe to the show to receive updates when a new show drops and please leave us a favourable review. Uh, You can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash demonland31, Twitter at demonland, Instagram at demonland31 or YouTube, just search for Demonland Podcast and listen to some of the interviews that we've conducted over the years uh, with uh, current and past players and coaches or if you just love talking about the D's all year round, why not join up to demonland.com and you can chat with us and other D's fans about this once great club. Now, boys, um, the D's, disappointed. Uh, when you say when you say once great club, are you talking about as recently as the semi-finals of last year or are we going all the way back to uh, the 50s and 60s? A little bit of both, a little pockets here and there over the 90s as well, late 80s, and then back to the 60s and uh, turn-of-the-century turn of, turn of uh, stuff. Um, boys, uh, is, is, can, can anything be salvaged from this, this season? Um, or should we just pack up shop now and uh, come back next year? What do we get if we win less than five games? Sorry, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll flash back 10 years. <laughs> I think you have to sort of have consecutive seasons. Uh, I don't think they're going to just uh, give us something for this year. No well, price. now remember, it's just it's up to their discretion. They just hand them out whatever they want. Because a few years ago, when we were really, really, really bad, uh, we were told, no, you can't have a priority pick because your list is too good, to which we all said, then how come we're so crap then? <laughs> but I think they were looking, looking at the uh, future young players uh, that we had coming up. Um, you, Jesse Hogan's. Block, um, who have really kicked on to bigger and better things. Uh, so, yeah, I don't, I don't even. I think they've made it so hard to get a priority pick now that basically no one will ever get one uh, above maybe about pick twenty. But the way it's going, I might have the, I might have the application on the facts ready to go for, uh, for a pick twenty priority pick. Great, Viney. Can it, can anything be salvaged from this season? Well, I noticed that some people on Demon Land are saying players, we should start sending players in for surgery now, but uh, uh, most of the players are still in surgery um, or at least uh, uh, waiting for the anaesthetic to wear off, um, judging by the way things are going. Are they suggesting this for any reasons or are they doing some vindictive sort of human centipede style on the players for the start of the year? Just uh, sorry, Supercard. We just lost you uh, for uh, during that uh, that comment. Oh. Uh, Have you got me now? I got you now. Yes. 
Yep. No, I was just asking if if we were sending the players for uh, for medical reasons or for vindictive reasons back to the surgeon. <laughs> well, could be a, a li- could be a little bit uh, of both at the moment. Um, where's it going wrong for us? Is it is it the midfield? Is it the defence? Is it the fact that we're playing this zone defence? Is it six 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 that we just haven't worked it out? Have teams worked us out? Um, Great Viney. Where do we start in dissecting this? There's a whole a whole host of those. Yeah, well, a whole host of those things. Unfortunately, um, the team defence we're being told uh, is poor, and the players' comments over the past couple of days about everyone not buying into that um, is proof of that. But I mean, they needed to look at the first five minutes of the game the other night, and uh, the back line was all over the place. Um, so there's a lot to fix, um, let alone uh, probably the the lagging start that we had because of the late pre-season and a uh, number of players going in for surgery. So I think it's a whole host of factors. I think we're missing Jesse Hogan, as much as some people uh, would probably hate to admit that. Um, and it's not even the goals. Um, so one of them pointed out in one of the footy shows last night, Hogan's a good ground ball player. Um, and very good at getting up the park, and we're missing that kind of uh, contribution at the moment as well. Super Mercado. Well, I, I compared it. Yeah, I, I took a look at the final year to compare the statistics to this year, and the the one that probably com- Oh, I think we've. I think we. Lo- I think. I think we lost Super Supermercado. Oh, I've, I've been reconnected. You've been reconnected. We lost you for um, a second. So the the inside fifties compared to that Geelong game last year to the game last Friday night. Um, this time we had Angus Brayshaw having ten of the inside fifties. We had Sam Frost having three of the inside fifties. Michael Hibbert had two. Um, whereas last time it was more of a a sort of even spread amongst your midfielders and your your sort of half-forward line players like Vandenberg and Hannon obviously aren't there, but Petrarca had four, whereas the other night he had one because he was deeper as a forward. So I think I agree it's it's all of the above. There's there's issues left, right and centre, um, but I really think they've, they've missed out on the forward mix because realistically last year our back line wasn't that good uh, and there were the last however long, ever since we've not been absolutely terrible, other teams have been able to get free players running down the ground against us. It's just last year our scoring went through the roof to compensate for it. Uh, This time, we still scored 112 points in a loss, which is admirable in the current era of scoring, but we just aren't compensating enough uh, and locking the ball forward enough to stop the defence being put under, under siege. And, you know, when the ball goes in that quickly... They did some diabolical things the other night, but when we let the ball fly in there that quickly, it's no surprise when they're all getting lost uh, and not knowing where to stand. It's 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 really really frustrating because uh, last year it was all it was working for us. Uh, we were we were having we were quite an easy team to score against, but conversely, we were able to score. And this year it's not happening. It happened this week, but that's two weeks in a row where we've let teams kick twenty goals against us, and I th- I think we've been worked out. Um, it, it's it's frightening and it's scary and I can't see us getting out of of this hole. Uh, great binding. Well, the issue defensively is that uh, the two you know the two players who are meant to be the two key backs are not in the team at the moment. We're not going to get Lever back until uh, you know the bye or or afterwards, and even May is still still three weeks away. So uh, we're kind of, uh, well, we're not stuck with Oscar and Frost. Um, uh, it, uh, you know, there's um, uh, Harrison Petty and uh, Declan Kelty, uh, um, uh, you know, both capable of coming in. So, you know, will that mix change? It might, but uh, we're not going to have our number one set up 
uh, for some time yet, and that's just a reality, unfortunately. Is it just... Think, is it, if, uh, go ahead, Super McCarthy. If, if this isn't the wake-up call uh, for the coaching staff, um, then... I think the the assistants at least need to suffer a Richmond 2016-style decimation uh, because, as you say, we're not going to have the number one set up there for at least half the number one set up for three weeks, the full number one set up for about two months. They've got to work with what they've got now. Uh, and if they can't work out a way to use what they've got now more effectively, like we did at the end of last year, uh, then we are going to be in a lot of trouble. And I think, yeah, if we lose this week, look, it's all over for the season. Um, but it's still, you know, there's no... I'm not going to be getting into, like, let's uh, let's pack everyone away and, and buddy, you know, get pick number two or something like that. I still think we should have a bash for the rest of the season. Uh, but this should be the wake-up call that the the coaching staff need to, um, to, to work with what we've got now. Um, yeah, and George on the outer makes a good point that we didn't have Lever or May for most of last year, so uh, there are issues upfield too. Yeah, exactly, and I agree with that. But you know, when the ball goes basically inside fifty and then comes back at warp speed, um, it's not going to help anybody. Whereas last year, we still lacked a bit of the forward pressure um, that that you'd want, but we could hold it down there more often. Um, and didn't just get smashed on the break as much as we have this year. And that's exactly where I was worried about Essendon right from the start, because uh, I, I, I think Essendon are rubbish, um, and I think they'll prove to be rubbish throughout the season. Uh, but if anyone was going to stitch us up uh, with sort of fancy outside running, uh, it was it's always going to be them. So it'll be really interesting to see what the, uh, what the reaction is this week against the Swans. Um, uh, D Zephyr in the chat room makes a good point. He says, come on, Bidman, call in. We hardly lost a game uh, when you called in last year. So, yeah, Bidman, uh, we'd love to take your call. Uh, Sigil in the chat room says, sadly, Petty right now is, is not an upgrade based on VFL form. And I'm wondering, I, I'm having a look at, 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 um, at our what we've got. That was just one game, though, because he's been in very – he actually has has been in good form, but I think he didn't play well on the weekend, which he probably wasn't the Lone Ranger. So, well, I'm having. Uh, I thought Petty's Petty's been doing all right in the seconds. I'm having a look at our depth. Uh, what we've got, um, not won't take the, you long. Yeah, exactly. Not on the injury list uh, stuff, but the players playing. And is it just a matter of moving deck chairs around on the Titanic? Um, you know, if you drop Oscar and. Uh, and frosty, or one, or one, or, or both, or whatever, and bring in others. Um, you drop Nibbler, who well, I think is very the puzzling poor. one because Os- Oscar's the funny oh. one because he does seem to have uh, regressed in his development, or at the very least, stalled. He's had a, a, a very ordinary start to the year, uh, and he actually had a, a pretty good season last year. So. I'm not quite sure what's going on well, there. He, he's just down on confidence. He's not the. He's not the. He's not the only or whether it's a result of. He's not the only yeah. one. He's not the only one though. Um, there's a lot of guys down on form. Hibbard's down on form. Uh, Nibbler he's, has. He's been... not the only one in his family who's down on form. <laughs> we're not. We're only focusing on our team. I, I can't uh, focus on uh, other teams at the moment. Um, uh, yeah, uh, Nibbler is. Down on form, I, I'd suggest he has to has to make way for someone, um, and then you know. Yeah, I would have thought Nibbler for stretch. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm at a loss. I'm just going to play a little bit of audio. What did you think of this this comment from Gus at at half half time? Angus, what a quarter of footy! What turned around from quarter time? I was speaking here this time last week and we were, I said it was probably building towards what we wanted it to be and it was hard to believe at the time but I think that quarter there personified the Melbourne football brand just outnumbering it the contest and we had, we've had that sorted now we're sort of connecting better and I think that's reflected in the scoreboard. Certainly felt like you as well as the other leaders really took it on your shoulders to drive that. Yeah I mean it's, it's been a couple of weeks coming and I think as a group we felt like there's been another level we can go to so I mean, there's been a lot of excuses, a lot of talk, talk, but, yeah, I think that quarter we just put into practice everything we've been training, and, yeah, we can beat anyone when we play like that, so we've just got to keep that for the next half. Appreciate your time. All the best. 
So uh, it was a case of the, the boys going in at halftime, drinking some bath water. Um, uh, what happened after, after halftime? Uh, I, I don't have a problem with those comments. I know he's received quite a bit of criticism, but we played well in the second quarter and football's a confidence game and he was telling the truth. So yep. I, you know, I don't see the big deal about that. I um, agree as well, and especially players, players who are just being grabbed two seconds after the siren goes, uh, when apart from the late goal we copped, we'd had 15 minutes of bloody irresistible football where exactly what he did say, if we play like that, we can beat anyone. Yeah. Um, I, I don't buy into the... Uh, I don't buy into the the fact that you know they came out for the second half. I know Gary Lyon on the radio on Friday night was was having a go at them for that and saying, "Oh, they came out for the second half and they, you know, thought thought the job was done." And all that. I don't buy into that for a second. Um, I think on the spur of the moment, he made comments that were truthful. Uh, and in the greatest tradition of football, we slaughter we slaughter players for talking in cliches, and then when a bloke actually says something truthful. Uh, we find a way to nail him for that as well. So I've got no issues at all uh, with what he said. Yeah. I've more got an issue of what happened half an hour later, and I don't think it's got any connection to what he said. No, no. I, and look, I, and, I, I must admit I felt the, felt the same way at that time. <laughs> Go ahead, Grapevining. Yeah, and what do you expect him to say? Oh, look, we played really well that quarter, but the truth is we're still struggling. And, uh, you know, um, I doubt we can replicate in the third quarter, what we've just done then. So stand by for a stinker of a second half. I mean, <laughs> we're you taking players, it one quarter at a time. I think we were, we were all hoping that that second quarter would be the flick of the switch. Um, it turned out to be a false dawn, but, uh, yeah, it's not Angus Brayshaw's fault or that interview. I, I must say, during that second quarter, I actually thought that it wasn't it wasn't going to translate to the second half. Um, I really felt that it, unless we just kept scoring and just like ran riot, I thought the moment we get the ball back into Essendon's hands, we're in big trouble. Um, mm. And unfortunately yep. it came true. But if we, if we couldn't control that ball forward and, and take some of the heat out of the game, we were always vulnerable to them getting another run on. Yeah, and uh, yep. it happened absolutely. Few, it happened a few times, and those uh, every time the ball came out of defence, they looked like they were going to score. I just you could just see it; they were just streaming down the ground. Yeah, and, and that happened. And that happened so many times last year and the year before. Because as you know, I like to sit uh, right up the back, top of the Ponsford stand. Depends how far, how high up, on how many other people are there. But generally, you get that look straight down the ground. And I've been watching for two seasons. Like I said, since we've been a reasonable side, teams still get the break on us. And you'll see like three or four players on their own. And you can spot him. You go, he's going to kick it to that guy. And bang, there'll be a 30-meter pass to oh, a yeah. guy standing on his own. It's telegraphed. <laughs> yeah, you can see it coming from a mile away. So that probably happens to every team. But if you don't turn it over as much and you don't panic bomb it into the forward line, you don't get exposed coming the other way with all the guys standing on their own. Yep. And, and I think it doesn't help. Oh, look, I, I, I don't know, but I see this zone defence that we have and it seems to be, you know, we've got players in no man's land, the ball comes in and there's no chance that Oscar <laughs> or Frost, doesn't matter how quick they are, can get to their man to cover it. Yeah, and there was one. There was one in the second quarter, at least, mate, potentially one in the first quarter as well, where I think three of them ran to one bloke and left two on their own inside fifty. It was honestly, it was like watching a group of people who'd only just met on the day, <laughs> and they just come into the G, and it was like, guys, we're gonna, we're gonna, like when you go to one of those, see one of those charity games they play before the main games, where you just get just blokes out there, put them in a team and play on a game on the MCG. It was like that. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll give them some, I'll cut them some slack on the ball coming in so quickly. But Jesus, there were times. There was one in the second quarter where if Zach Clark had kicked the goal oh, yeah. or handballed to the guy standing on his own, that would have been repeated on every footy program under the sun because literally all three of them just went to the one guy uh, and just left two players on yeah. their own. Yeah. 
Uh, do, you, do you think we lack a bit of pace in the middle? I mean, we've got guys who are good extractors of the ball, can do that very well, but it seems like we lacked a bit of pace uh, in the middle. Um, Sheil seemed to just run rings around us. Uh, yeah, lacked an explosive player. It's so much player. the pace, yeah. it's the run. It's yes. the defensive run and spread. Yeah. Um, but do, can I just raise another issue that I seemed to notice the other night? Um, and we talk about not uh, adapting to the 6-6-6 yet. I, Essendon were kicking in from 30 or 40 metres out um, of the goal square, and yet we seem to kick in still from inside the goal square. Now, I know the rules have changed and you've got more room to run, but I don't understand why we're not taking advantage of that and why we're letting other teams walk the ball out almost to 50. I saw it a number of times. It's the a third, third week in a row. <laughs> did anyone else pick up on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I certainly did. There were a few times we, we did go out a bit, but you're right. Well, there are a few other times we're still doing it from the square. Um, uh, Sigil in the uh, chat room uh, says, can we try man-on-man man in the defensive back half or not? I don't think they will go. I think... The way they play is the way they've been training, and uh, you know, all, all summer and the last year, I don't think they will go to switch it up. Which is a, an unfortunate uh, side effect of footy these days. Because if you look at you know soccer teams and, and probably teams in other sports as well, they do have they can pull alternative plans out, you know, alternative formations and everything. Uh, whereas it seems footy teams have this rigid um, adherence to one's one type of gameplay that they don't deviate from. Uh, we have a caller. I believe it's Bin Man. Good evening, Bin Man. How are you? Uh, good evening, fellas. How are we all? Um, not in the best of moods uh, tonight, uh, as I'm sure you're not either, but uh, welcome to the program nonetheless. Thank you. It sounds like a, uh, a funeral. It's a, um, there's not much positivity around the demons or on demon land at the moment, I must say. Well, uh, we're, we're almost back to, back to the days of uh, the Neild era um, and even going back a little bit further to the tanking era. So, um, yeah, it, it is a bit of a, f- a funeral-like, but uh, th- what else can you expect? I mean, we're playing like crap and uh, it's hard to be positive. Uh, I was going to try and bring up some positives later and we might talk about it in a few minutes. Uh, but, B-Man, what, what do you want to say? I mean, a couple of things. The... Um... I mean, I think the biggest issue in football has been for a long, long time is injury. And I said before the season, um, you know, there's this silly debate about interrupted pre-seasons and all of that. But, you know, 14 or 15 players had post-season surgeries. We just weren't getting kilometres in the legs of players. With our game plan, you know, I mean, it's been talked about a lot. We don't have game B. You know, we've got a manic ballistic style that is very physically taxing. Um, that relies on, you know, the backward, uh, sorry, the all-ground uh, defensive running. We're just not fit enough. So you can see it. I mean, Tom uh, not a plate. I know he did his ankle. Um, but he, I was watching him really closely. I was at the top of the Ponsford, um, and I had my um, binoculars on him, and he was struggling to run hard at the ball right from the get-go. So, um, you know, I think that we're just really, that's the fitness is the thing. You know, the game plan is dependent on fitness. How much is is this is the, this whole fitness thing and the surgeries is is that an excuse or, or does this happen to other teams in off seasons? Um, maybe not this off season, but there have been other teams that have gone deep in September and I'm sure have had to have surgeries. Did we have an unusual amount of surgeries um, that that can be used as an excuse or you know Hawthorne and Geelong have never suffered? Remarkable. I mean, it's a lot. 15 is a lot. I mean, there's two factors. One, that's a that's an extraordinary number. That's a half. It's not just who. It's 15 of your starting 22 almost had postseason surgery. Um, but also, we don't have the experience of other clubs that maybe you know maybe some of those surgeries could be put off. I don't know. I mean, obviously, I would be pretending to say I'm a doctor because I'm not. But um, you know, I don't know what whether this is unusual, but. Um, you know, I think that that's a lot of surgery, a lot of time off legs. You know, the rehab um, was huge and deep. Um, Richmond are struggling as well. 
well. I think they had also had um, injuries uh, over the um, preseason, and they're struggling with their game plan. I mean, they're the most equivalent team with game plan. So for me, that's the biggest factor. The problem with that is, is that still three, four weeks potentially for to get you know up and running. Um, you mentioned uh, Tom McDonald, and you said that he looked. Uh, you know, he hurt his ankle. I've seen this for the last two weeks. I think he's been injured and maybe not necessarily this ankle, but he he has not been 100%. And I'm just wondering, when he went off and then later came back onto the wing, um, that was when when we started to get the game game going. Our game plan was working, you know, with a smaller forward line. do you think there is anything George on the outer makes the point. George on the outer makes the point. Essendon were down to two on the bench in that second quarter. I wasn't so aware of that. I think yeah. that assisted us. Yeah. No team plays no, worse against done. teams that have had people go off injured than us. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, big man. <laughs> oh, sorry, I was going to say, not only that, in that quarter, and I mean, sort of Essendon did what we were doing. I mean, I think the other issue for us is... We haven't got our best 22 on the park and a, a massive issue for us for three, four, five years, arguably longer, is our terrible field kicking. Um, and so we don't have our best team on the park and we turn the ball over. Everyone's pushing forward. Our game plan is that sweeping, moving forward. If you miss targets, you get hit on the rebound. And in that second quarter, Essendon were worse than us. So not only, as George on the outer says, they had um, two on the bench um, for that quarter. They also missed a ton of targets, and Shield missed a couple of three, four easy shots or at least two shots of goal. So we were lucky the way that was running. So it was quite interesting hearing Brayshaw, I mean, fair enough, being positive. But, you know, from a neutral perspective, I was thinking we were pretty lucky. Yeah, I know, I know what you mean. Uh, <laughs> this is, really is a depressing talk. Uh uh, well, let's try and <laughs> let's try and find some positive. Were there any positives? What What do you think of uh, Lockhart in these first couple of weeks? Uh, Big man, I'll throw it to you. Well, I thought I was actually I, w- I was going to say something positive, but just the only last negative thing I will yeah, say go on. is that I'm actually really really surprised that Brayshaw and Harms tonight I, I saw on Demonland basically said the same thing that players aren't buying in now. Injury is one thing. Buying in. And getting back defensively is a whole other kettle of fish. Um, and I, I'm shocked that one that they've said it publicly. And if it's true, I'm even more shocked. I mean, that's really it's not buying in. There's no excuse for that. And I mean, they're saying that's the case. I was really surprised about those comments. What what aren't they buying into? Buying into the game plan or being able. To- being... No, both of them said. Brayshaw said after the game, and Harm said on the Demon Land, oh, I'm sorry, on the Melbourne podcast, apparently, um, that we're not buying um, to the two way defensive running and getting back to help with uh, the mids into defence, which that's, is that, true. That's, I mean, a, that's what is hurting us. That's a big. Uh, that's a big problem. <laughs> that is a really big problem well, because I mean, that's where we're getting killed at the moment. That's why they're having an honesty session after three session after three seats. Hmm. Not not good. Not a good look, and and you know, especially for him to come out and say that uh, in official capacity. I'm sure the coach won't be happy about that. Um, all right, let's go. Let's try and get some positives. Uh, Lockhart, you'd be positive there. I thought he's having a real crack. When he took that screamer, I actually thought it was Wiedemann. Uh, flying high. Um, so shocked to see that it was the smallest man on the ground, although um, Bagley made a decent fist of taking a mark against Sam Frost. So, um, yeah, probably runs both ways. But I, I think he's uh, uh, he shows good goal sense. Um, he's prepared to dish it out. So a promising start, definitely. And look, I, I would have, on a personal note, I would have liked um, to have seen Jaden Hunt, you know, excel off half back. Unfortunately, he hasn't been able to get that part of his his game back to what we saw in 2016, um, or was it 2017? I can't remember. Um, 
17. 17, yeah. But but I've been quite happy for what I've seen of him in the forward line in the first half against Brisbane and... um, and this week, I thought it was good. He kicked three yep. goals. Uh, quite and happy I think, for him. I think he would have played there right from round one if Lewis hadn't been injured. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Um, and maybe Lewis and also Kolodajny was injured. Uh, going back to negatives again, Kolodajny hasn't, uh, or whatever, however we say his name, Kolodajny. Um, Kolodajny, yep. Uh, haven't been so impressed uh, with him now and... Uh, not really looking like high quality steak knives at the moment. Oh, I've I've got faith that he'll come good. I just want to know who was the nuffy you thought to pick him last week off one yeah, VFL wasn't. game, having just seen what Viney and Jones did off one VFL game. It was deck chairs um, on the Titanic. That was a ridiculous uh, selection, um, and I think he was improved this week. Uh, I actually looked up his his career stats, and he'd only ever had one game in his career with less possessions than his first game for us. Um, so look, I think he's got something to offer, but like most of the players, he he just looks like he needs a you know a second preseason. He needs another JLT randomly thrown into the mix to give him a few more weeks to get some get some games under his belt. Uh, what do you think? What do you guys think about the comments that um, that the coach made about Stephen May and his uh, the way he came to pre-season. Uh, we had talked last week about Gary Lyon uh, having those comments to say about him, but the coach this week seemed to um, uh, vindicate what Gary Lyon said, that he turned up in not great nick. Yeah, and we looked a bit silly because Jordan Lewis effectively had a crack at Gold Coast and said that May might have been fit enough for their standards, but we're Melbourne and we've got these standards. Well, well they've, they've won. <laughs> it yeah. seems that our standards are uh, somewhat behind the rest at the moment. So, um, yeah, a bit well, of egg on the face you would have se- in you, that regard. You would have uh, se- uh, Gold Coast at 2-0. and Well, you would have seen that stat. Gold Coast at 2-0 and uh, May's 0 and uh, Lynch is, is 1 from 3. So, Gold and, Coast and, But the last going life. back to the comments themselves, didn't about three days before that Goodwin say, stop talking about the pre-season and judge us on our performances now? <laughs> And then three days later, he's, uh, you know, uh, unloading some, uh, you know, obviously overly reported story comments because I'm sure I haven't heard them, but I'm sure they weren't, you know, too scathing. Um, but, you know, I'd rather not, if he's going to draw a line and say, talk about the, uh, don't talk about the preseason, don't talk about the injuries, talk about our performances. Well, I know you don't want to talk about the performances, but if that's the line you set, um, I'd rather focus on the performances than going back to the, the preseason again. The thing is, we were talking about there was 14 players who had surgeries. They weren't going to have the the miles in their legs that they needed to. I'm no AFL coach, and thank God for that. But surely you don't just go, oh, well, let's just play the same. This style might not work because we haven't got the endurance in the players, but bugger it, let's give it a bash anyway. Um, surely there's refinements done somewhere, and I'm sure there were. But I can't think we would just knowingly go into the season knowing that the players wouldn't be able to execute the game plan uh, and just go for the Hail Mary of it all coming together at the first bounce of round one. Well, who's who, who's accountable in the end for that? Is, is that is that that falls on the, the coach's shoulders? Well, like I said, with with Richmond 2016, um, they, they opted to keep the coach and they... Uh, absolutely demolish the assistant coach ranking ranks. Um, in our case, we would opt to uh, keep the coach, I'm sure, well, even if we, can't. we hadn't just re-signed him to <laughs> well, a massive contract extension. We can't get, get rid of him now. Not that I'm suggesting that at all. Um, no, but if I was an assistant and my contract was running out this year, I would probably be uh, you know, on seek.com.au <laughs> the way it's going because someone is going to need to – someone's going to be the scapegoat uh, from the coaching side, and if it can't be the senior coach, then the next best thing is the assistant coaches. And to be honest, uh, last year, I don't think our back line was particularly good. I know really, for the highest scoring team in the competition, our forward line wasn't that good. So a lot of it was propped up on the midfield last year. Um, and so to me, I would very much like to see something different in our both our forward and our back line coaching going forward. Um. Other positives, I, I was happy with Corey Wagner. Um, liked, yep. liked the look of him. 
Uh, I think he can contribute uh, to the team. Uh, to get a tick from you guys. Yep. Definitely for me, definitely. I thought his endeavour was fantastic. It's interesting if you look at Goodwin's um, got a pat now in his third season of picking um, players early in there, you know, some surprise selections early. And, and, you know, the positive that I would take, the big positive I take is that I think we'll win this week. So we'll be three and one. Um, I think we'll win the week after, so we'll be three and two. And um, That's two and three. Uh, I think it's remarkably similar to last year. I think it's remarkable. You know, we were beaten by Hawthorne in a similar way. And I remember on Demon Land, oh, even on, on this um, podcast, there was a discussion about our collapse in defence. And in that game, there were some funny tactical things that Goodwin tried. Um, I think maybe um, Jones was on the wing for the first time. And, you know, there were some strange things that they did. Um, you know, I think that, you know, we're, we're four or five weeks probably from hitting our strap. And they've planned for it. I think they would have been happy to be two and one now. They're obviously disappointed with three zip. Um, you know, form has to play a part in it. But, you know, I think Lockhart is definitely a positive. I think Corey Wagner's a positive. Uh, I think the other huge positive, I know we, you know, we got beaten, but we still scored, what, 120 odd points? That's a, that's a pretty good scoring clip. So we showed that we can score still. Uh, albeit against a pretty poor defensive unit. But, you know, I, I think that the season's far from over. It's, um, you know, it'll be tough to make the top four from here just numerically, but I don't think that's out of the question. All right. Well, uh, any other players we need to focus on? Uh, Petraka showed some glimpses this week. Still needs to put four quarters together, but... Uh... I thought he was good, much better as well. But I, I still would rather him in more of your half forward area than than playing as a a full forward. And I don't know if that's got something to do with the uh, defensive side of the game, uh, which is why we're parking him him further down. Uh, but I think he would be much more damaging um, up the ground. Uh, I, I sort of disagree a bit. I, I'd like to see him. I know it's a bit of a cliche, but I'd like to see him play like Stringer that role or um, Dugowie. I'd like to see him lead from the the um, forward and you know be, have more one-on-one marking uh, chances. It seems to me he's, he needs to kick some goals. He needs to get his his seems down on confidence. He's dropping marks that he oh. should take. I'd like to see him given license just to go for it and say you know your KPI is two goals a game. You get that and you're in. You don't get that, you, you're out. You said you got to, you know, he's got to kick goals, but and you also sort of alluded to the fact that he dropped a mark and dropped an absolute sitter, and that was a critical time of the game. But uh, quite, you know, should have taken that mark and gone back and had a ping and kicked a goal. And uh, I think if that was in the third, it might have stemmed the flow a bit. Um, yeah. The whole team is dropping easy yeah. marks, though. I don't get it. You can excuse it in round one when everyone's a bit fumbly. But it's round three, and it looks like we're drunk half the time, staggering around in a bar. <laughs> it's terrible. I mean, that I mean, the A other, the, there was that A and B and that, that. Go ahead, Great Barney, finish it. Yeah, you go, Ben, man. Uh, no, I was just oh, going to say gonna that say A and no, B uh, missed, missed opportunity in the third. Um, and there's just, everyone has dropped the easiest of chess marks. I don't understand what's going on. I was going to say on Petrarca as well, I just love to see him take the bull by the horns and take some of those shots. That kick that he kicked, I think it was the one to Melksham, where he was 40 metres out. He was square to goal. I don't know why he didn't just pull the trigger and go for goals, but he kicked it into, um, I think it was the one where Melksham should have got a free kick. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's what I'd like to see him do is to say the coach tell him, and you're in that situation, I know you like to give assists and that's the team plan, everyone gets a lick of the ice cream, but just kick the goal, son. Yeah, I think we've. I think it's a confidence thing. A lot of players are just um, sort of trying to palm it off to someone else. Um, and sometimes, yeah, they're in a better position, but other times I just want them to go back and, and have a crack, especially if you're inside 50 on a, on a decent angle. Uh, should be able to go back and kick it. Um, 
I think we need to talk about it. The the umpiring. Uh, I'm not going to say we lost the game because of the umpiring because I think we we we've done it to ourselves. But the umpiring was absolutely pathetic, uh, and it's not always the free kicks uh, that you get or get against you. Sometimes it's the ones you don't get reciprocated, and that happened quite a bit. Um, I thought they were they were getting sort of everything. Uh, this could be my one eye, seeing the game through my one eye, but um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Bin man, umpiring, did it kill us? Oh, it was it was awful. Like, I mean, it just it was just driving me. I was just trying to keep my calm. To be honest, they got some soft free kicks as well. Not maybe quite at the same time, like the ones that we copped. Like the one against Melchior, where he should have got it and wasn't given. That was a critical moment in the game because it wasn't given. And they went up the other end of the ground. That was the two goals. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you can say, you know, I think it could have cost us. Who knows? But there were some baffling decisions. The one against Frost for grappling with. Lost you. We've lost you there for a sec, uh, bid man. Uh, I've got connection lost, it's saying on, on my Skype. Uh, if he comes back, uh, he comes back. Um, there was also the, the Jetta one on Stringer in the first quarter. Yeah. Uh, and it was a ripper of a finish yeah. by Stringer. So mo- most of the time, that's not going to turn into a goal. Um, but then the counterpoint is, once the game was already lost, that ridiculous Frost getting uh, getting tackled right in front of their goal and having a big fresh air swing and somehow it being called play on. Uh, it was bloody baffling in all ways, but it seemed to cost us goals more. Mm. Um, yep, agreed. All right, let's move on for, from the debacle. Um, unless there is anyone, any other players you want to uh, highlight. Um, I'll, I'll just have one that sure. um, Sam Wiedemann, I think when we get the ball into his hands, if we can get the ball into his hands more, he will be very damaging. Um, it showed at the end of last year where his you know, top five or six game possession totals ever were all in the end of the last season. Um, I think that the only issue with him is getting the ball into his hands more. Um, and then I think he'll be a very damaging player. Yeah, I agree. He's just got to clunk a couple of couple of those marks because we know he can yeah. take an absolute ripper. Uh, uh, let's see more of it. He's got a beautiful kick as well. Um, beautiful yep. kick for goal. All and right. that's the thing. That's the ironic thing about this. Like we've got, we've started the season where you've got McDonald and, and Boydeman are both really good set shots. Uh, have we kicked to either of them on the lead once? <laughs> no, like, but uh, that's not our game. I don't think that's the game plan. <laughs> I know, which is, there was there was one a couple of weeks ago in the Sydney-Adelaide game where the guy, he, he literally took the ball in the middle of the ground and he just turned and kicked it and he knew the guy was going to be running straight to it. And it was the best kick to a kick and mark to a lead example you could ever get. And it's like... Why can't we do that? Like, I, I can't buy that just thumping the ball in there and hoping for the best just because we were the biggest scoring team in a really low-scoring season is somehow the best way to go about things. It just seems insanity to me. It does. Um, a bit man uh, apologises, but uh, he had to go or his line got uh, cut and I've just told him that he... Uh, he does realise that if uh, we win this week, he'll have to call in every uh, week for the rest of the year. Um, let's move on to um, the Casey game. I didn't. It was it was televised, but I, I was out for the day. I didn't get to see it. Um, Super Mercado, did you uh, get to see what seemed to be a disappointing uh, result? Yeah, I saw the first half and about five minutes of the third quarter before I decided that I'd had enough of <laughs> Melbourne Football Club-related misery for the year. Um, so I missed a lot of what Stretch did, but I understand he was he was very good in the second half. Um, generally, look, you knew you knew where it was going right from the start, where first they pulled Pruce out as a late out, and then they sat Stretch and Hoare on the bench for the entire first quarter. Um, you, you could just tell the whole thing was, you know, Talking, talk about tanking, the whole thing was just a, just all lined up just to ease us into the uh, Thursday night game for the seniors. So that's for anyone who is still confused, that is the official determination that there is no more Casey Scorpions, there is no more anything. This club is owned by us and operated by us now. Um, that 
and good, and rightly so too, because no offence to any Casey fans out there, but the whole point of this team is to is to get our bloke going. So I, I really don't... They can finish last without winning a game, for all I care, as long as the development's happening um, in the right way. So Bruce was pulled out just prior to the game. Yep. Uh, he's not injured. Um, nope. So I would say they knew that he's... Because this was after the Demons game on Friday yep. night. He'll be playing this week. Yeah, I would say so. And I, I would say they... I'm pretty sure McDonald's not going to play, but who yes. knows? They might. They might try all of them. Um, so, anyone play play well? In the part I watched, it was all pretty even. Like from our from our players, um, Stretch was good when he came on in the second half, uh, second quarter, um, and Petty did a couple of good things in defence. But really, the the ball was more often than not in the hands of a a box hill player. Um, so it was hard to get a read on anyone. Uh, Maynard did quite well too, um, but I think he's probably, unfortunately, in the one position that he's not going to dislodge yeah, anyone. No one's going. There's no out. one. There's no one to to replace. Um, so he's going to have to bide his time. Uh, but but in the in the forwards and backs, Gala didn't do really anything in the time I was watching. Yeah, I saw his possessions. I think he had a handful of possessions. I think he had seven, maybe. Um, yeah, so and he, like... he started a few centre bounces in the midfield um, in the first half as well and obviously still didn't really get his get his hand on it that much. So I, I don't think there was much to take out of that game um, except for the fact that, yeah, Bruce will play and, and I'm hopeful Stretch will play as well because he was very unfortunate last year to get injured after playing what was arguably the best game of his career. So so it's 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 likely who do you think he'll come in for, Nibbler? Um well I I thought Nibbler and College Jasney potentially both go out. Yep. Um but yeah, who knows? Uh, who knows what buddy tactics we've got up our sleeve um for the way it's been going so far. Um so yeah, it's uh, yeah, I definitely had Neil Bullen and College Asney both out um, with Oscar McDonald. And at the time, I had Petty in as well, but I don't know. Yeah, from from what from the reports I've seen, he wasn't great either. Um, but I don't think that Hoare seems to me to be kind of that um, not as key position defender, um, just, to, just that one step under being a key position defender, but maybe they'll have a bash with him instead. Um, and Kilty seemed to be forward a lot more um, on the weekend, so I'm not. I doubt they're going to bring him in as a defender. He might uh, might come in as a forward um, if T Max out, but just depends on how their what their plans are yep. with uh, Maxi and Bruce, how they're going to play them well, off the bench. That's the thing. If, Maxie... if McDonald's out, this is the perfect opportunity to to try the two Ruckman thing. Yeah, yeah. Because with Wiedemann and Tom McDonald, the two Ruckman thing, I've been wanting to try it all year. But it is risky because then you've got the three tall forwards up there, um, which you know, can can go badly. So yeah. this would be a great opportunity to try it. Um, who takes um, Who takes Buddy? Um, by all reports, I haven't watched any Sydney games this year, but from looking at the stats, um, he's hasn't set the world on fire. Fire, I think averaging about sixty-four or something uh, fantasy football points, which uh, isn't isn't a great score. Um, but we have a habit of playing guys like you know that are down on their luck, particularly three weeks in a row. We have a habit of playing these guys right into form. Um, and who takes him this week? Great Frost, Frost by default. <laughs> uh, you got to start Frost on him, I would have thought. Yeah. And Frost did pretty well on him last year um, in a pretty disappointing game. Um, he did reasonably well on Franklin last year, so I think he's got the he's he's got the horses for courses. Whether this is the end of his horses for courses, I don't know, but yeah, I think he's the only option. Yeah, great, Viney. You you agree with that? Yep. Yep. All right. Um, so any other changes? Uh, Great Viney, uh, Super Mercado's had his uh, changes. Anything for you? Any Anything out of left field you can come up with? Not out of left field. I would have thought most people uh, would want stretch given a go ahead of Neil Bullen. 
Um, uh, but beyond that, I think uh, you know we're we're uh, shuffling uh, deck chairs at the moment. Um, not a lot coming through. Still a number of players injured. What we wouldn't do for a Hannon or a Vandenberg right now. Yeah, I think we're really missing, uh, or definitely missing, the grunt work of uh, Vandenberg. But uh, I'd love to see Hannon down there as well. There, look, there's a lot of people that don't think he's uh, in best 22. Um, I'm not one of them. I reckon he's uh, he's in there. Um, Vandenberg's still four to six weeks. The famous uh, four to six. Well. Away, which I think he was only about four at the start of the season. Well, so. I saw the so the thing that I think is about six weeks. Um, they sort of made they alluded to um, well, not alluded. I think someone actually said I can't remember who it might have been missing. Said uh, he needs three weeks to deload and then another three weeks to reload, and that was three or four weeks ago. <laughs> um, and well, he's but he's still saying run outside. Yeah, and they're still saying four to six weeks. The the one that I'm baffled about and actually a little bit angry about is Joel Smith because he's now listed as TBA yep. and they're sort of the the video that Melbourne put out today uh, about the injuries um, sort of seem to think that it's worse than expected um, and I don't know are you angry that uh, they left him on the field uh, or they put him back on the field we've sort of talked about this a little bit uh, but. I'm just really hoping that he didn't worsen it by going out, back out when they could have kept him off. Yeah, I mean, we'll never know, uh, you know, without being medical no. experts and being on the inside, can we? So hard to call, but um, yeah, to an outsider, it doesn't look good. I believe... It's like Tom McDonald injured in the second quarter last week and then starts the third quarter on the wing. It's <laughs> yeah. kind of like... Hold on a minute. Yeah, again, I'm no, I'm no doctor, but um, if the guy's got a, an ankle injury, putting him somewhere where he's going to have to run a lot when we're already one player up, um, and probably could have afforded to not pack him away, but leave him on the bench for a bit longer, um, seemed optimistic to me. Um. Oh. Uh, D Zephyr in the chat room has said a poster on the changes thread on Demonland mentioned uh, Bruce walked laps yesterday with strapping on his legs. So uh, yay for us! No, no <laughs> one can. There's just no one can survive this club. No, we we are cursed. Um, uh, yeah. So the good report though is that Lever uh, was back training uh, on Monday with the uh, main group. Um, but still, I think, six to eight weeks away. But good to see him back training with the group. Um, other injuries, they reckon um, uh, Lewis probably needs just another week. Uh, and then uh, then May still two to three weeks away. So He also came back on after he was injured. Who's that, uh, Lewis? May. Oh, no, May. May. May yeah. Yes, he did. He did. Fun times uh, at Demon Land. Um, the Grapevine, you're going to the game. Um, are you regretting that decision? <laughs> uh, I am. I've actually uh, wound up in the chairman's dinner of all places. So not only am I going to the game, but I have to wear a suit as well, <laughs> okay. which is um, just about as bad as it gets when you're going to the footy. So... Not, are, not a happy camper. Are all. you allowed to I'll wear be your seated with the Sydney faithful? So are you allowed to wear your demons uh, paraphernalia uh, scarf et al. Uh, at the, at well, the I am going to take the scarf with me, uh, and I think it's it's okay to do that. And I might wear a demon tie. Well, oh yes, very nice. Um, round four, two thousand and six. Are uh, you familiar with that game? I was there. Uh, you were there? Oh, you were there. Very nice. Uh, I was at the SCG. So what we were in similar situation. Uh, were we 0-3 uh, at that point? Yes. And that was the turnaround game uh, that season. I believe we won, I think, 11 or 12 of the next 11 or 12. Yep. Um, and we were second on the ladder. Um, what I wouldn't give for, for that. We were exceedingly lucky too, because right at the end, in the last quarter, we copped a 
bullshit 50-metre penalty against Jared Rivers when he threw the ball back to a Sydney player who didn't even bother extending his arm <laughs> to try and catch it, barely going above head height. Um, and then we came back. I think it was Uze. Either Uze or Travis Johnston kicked a goal uh, that put us back in front, and we won by a very narrow margin. Uh, but, yes, that, that set off, a, I think, about a five-game winning streak. And then after one loss, um, I think it set off a five-game winning streak. And then we played West Coast. And it was a top-of-the-table clash, basically. We lost that. And then we won about the next six in a row after that. Um, and won about 13 games for the season. And made the finals extremely comfortably. So it could happen. Uh, but I don't think it will. <laughs> Look, I'm still taking solace in the fact that uh, Sydney were 0-6 a couple of years ago and made the finals. So uh, until we get past that, uh, if we go 0-7, then I'm going to start to worry. Um, but yeah, that was the last time. 2006 was the last time we beat Sydney. Um, is that correct? No, we beat them 10. Well, we oh, killed yes, them at the sorry, MCG. Last yes, time at the true. SCG. Yes, yes. So last time and at the then, SCG. Yeah. And since then, we've lost by about 50 and about 110 or so at the, <laughs> at the SCG. So I should, I should come with you, Grapeviney, because I'm actually 2-0 at the SCG. I went in 04-05 uh, uh-huh. as well when we won there. Um, yep. All right. Well, good luck, uh, Grapeviney. Hopefully you can uh, be a good luck charm over there. Um, what did you think about the timing of the, uh, the tanking scandal revisited? Um, do you think there was nefarious uh, reasons for uh, that's that surfacing on the no. eve of us uh, playing on Friday night, uh, or do you think it was just a, a coincidence no. that they decided? And if if that had any impact on the no, players at the think... club yeah. or the team, yeah. then we're we might as well just fold. <laughs> so I wouldn't have thought that it's deployed for those purposes. And you know. Um, Goody was probably with Adelaide at the time. Half our list wasn't born. The rest of them were in <laughs> nappies. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think it, may, it, uh, it meant anything. The people who rejected it on Demon Land and said, why are we bringing this up now, are probably the same people who are demanding um, the AFL to come clean still on the Essendon saga. So those who didn't think it was newsworthy or interesting, uh, I think, are, are kidding themselves. Uh, because it was fascinating in terms of uh, the insight that it gave and the detail, and uh, you can't help but feel for for Dean Bailey um, in particular. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm actually I actually went through the 83 pages of transcripts um, to see if there was anything new in there, and there really wasn't um, anything that you wouldn't have already heard or suspected. Um, there was a few justifications for things like low low interchange numbers and stuff like that. And there was a dripping hatred of uh, Chris Connolly and uh, Cameron Schwab that comes through in every single interview in there with Dean Bailey. Because uh, I think there's the transcripts from about four interviews with him uh, by the AFL investigator. Uh, and he hated their guts. Like, And he, and he says things like, oh, you know, those blokes, they reckon they're the greatest coaches in the world. You know, they may as well run, they may as well have run the team because they were anyway, and and stuff like that. So it really probably if it, the what the story missed because it wasn't as interesting to a to a wider audience was just showing the dysfunction um, in the football department of our club uh, in that era, um, and and I dare say the idiocy of giving a runner-up prize to a bloke that lost. Um, the interviews for the coach didn't work uh, and, and c- turned out to be quite counterproductive in the, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Um, it's just a real sad time uh, for, for us, you know, having to revisit uh, that. So. But, but can I just say on that, there's been a lot of high and mighty about that. Uh, get you, go back to the archives and you'll have all your archives from 10 years ago. If Dean Bailey had won five games, people would have chased him out of town with flaming pitchforks. So let I'm not saying everybody was into it, but let the mass grouping of Melbourne fans not get too uh, judgmental about the people who allegedly were trying to engineer the priority pick because everyone, almost to a man, 
wanted that to happen at the time. Oh yeah, uh, Bailey was railroaded by the um, railroaded by the uh, inquiry, um, and he was very poorly treated uh, in his last year with us at the club. Um, but that's the the last year at the club is. I'm not going to say disconnected from what happened with the tanking because obviously it's a lot of issues with the same people, um, but it's a different issue with those people. Um, I think at the time, yeah, if you if you'd done a poll, uh, more people would have been into the the dodgy dodgy surgeries and uh, resting players than would have been into just playing it out and winning five games. Mm. And once again, we sort of end the podcast on on a sad note um well at least we got the priority pick and picked scully and trango with it and you've just brought it down another level (laughs) (laughs) and and part of scully's compensation was traded for the rights to jesse hogan yes that's true and it was then traded for (laughs) steven may and Cade Collard- currently, Collard- at home, currently at home with a bag of frozen peas on his grundle. <laughs> uh, well, I, I, a lot of uh, comments I saw on social media, you know, from opposition supporters, uh, basically laughing at us uh, tanking, and then uh, the prizes we got from, for it sort of served. But, that was but, our punishment. <laughs> can I say on this? And, and again, there's there's definitely a line between what happened in that year. And what happened in 2011 behind the scenes, but the historical record has to show that 2010 we were actually pretty bloody good, based on coming off two wooden spoons. 2011 we were half good, half terrible, but it's to me it's what happened after. Yeah, um, it's what happened after that really brought us down. Like if if you'd taken 2010 when Scully and Trengove were both running riot. Um, I'm pretty sure if I go back to it and look at the stats, Watts actually had a pretty good season in 2010. Uh, we were heading on the upswing, and then it's what happened behind the scenes just totally nuked the joint, and then we totally nuked the joint, kept half, kept one of the or kept two of the key people in the dispute that caused the issues in the first place, gave them a new contract, and then hired a coach who basically came in with a flamethrower and bloody just burnt everything to a crisp. Um, to me, the tanking was was not a – that wasn't the route to the bottom. Uh, that was unfortunate and very poorly done, um, really transparent and very lucky that the AFL on two separate occasions saw fit to sweep it under the rug. But we were, we were on an up trajectory after that through 2010 and at least part of 2011 – um, so I don't buy that. Uh, oh, they tanked and look where they look where they ended up. Hmm. Yep. Um, should have done a tank cast. <laughs> we should. <laughs> I think I've blocked out uh, my uh, probably a whole chunk of a uh, good part of almost a decade. So uh... twenty. I, I invite you to go back and re. Uh, re-enjoy 2010 because I think we went, I think we're like eight and 14 or something, but the only time we lost by 10 goals was round one yeah, against Hawthorne. After that, we're a pretty reasonable side for the rest of that season. And it might've even been 10 and 12 because uh, we were still within range of the finals. Yeah, we, we lost did. a close one to Hawthorne with about three or four weeks to go that if we'd won that, we would have been right up to our necks in the finals race. That was a really good season. Uh, that had that night where we beat Brisbane, when they were three or four and oh, yeah. Um, and Scully and Trengove went absolutely bananas that night, um, and plenty of other good results in that season. Like I say, the the arrow was pointing up, and then 2011, the first half of 2011 was just like insane. Like one week we were winning by 100, the next week we were losing by 80. <laughs> uh, and then obviously behind the scenes, um, there was World War Three going on, which culminated in a uh, unfortunate scenario at Cadinia Park. Um, but there was really good stuff, um, sort of 2010 and part of 2011, uh, before it all, yeah, went absolutely into the toilet in 2012. Perhaps I'll have to read uh, read your blog. Were you, were you uh, blogging back then? Yes, 
since 2005, so you can even right. capture the the last moments of uh, positivity <laughs> of the mid 2000s and my trip to the SCG in round four 2006. Oh, very good. I uh, look forward to to reading that uh, tomorrow. Where can we uh, read about uh, your blog? Yes, you can uh, visit demonblog.com, which has got a link to uh, in the right-hand column if you're viewing it on a PC to the index of all the posts since 2005. And uh, I saw a post you made on Twitter. You've got some new merchandise. Yes. Uh, so if you go to demonblog.com, you won't see it there because I haven't actually <laughs> updated it yet. Uh, but we've got a uh, we've got a nice new Clayton Oliver Hamburglar design uh, that I think is going to take the world take the world by storm. I thought uh, that design. I thought that was you. I thought that was well, not you personally, but your uh, the avatar that you use on on Demonland and on Twitter. I thought, I well, thought... that's just completely coincidental. <laughs> okay. in, uh, I think it was, I think it was late two thousand and five because you'll you'll remember we we almost stuffed that season up before we had that three game winning streak at the end of the year uh, to make the finals, and I I just casually browsed for man with fork in toaster, <laughs> um, and and got a guy that looked like Matthew Bate putting a fork in a toaster <laughs> okay. a year before we even recruited Matthew Bate. <laughs> Um, and I've been using that uh, for the best part of 15 years now. So, no, no this is the this is the Clayton Oliver uh, Hamburglar due to his resemblance to said McDonald's <laughs> character. So we're trying to get sued like the uh, Taylor Harris T-shirts. We're trying to trying to get the hat trick of Clayton Oliver, the AFL, and McDonald's uh, to all send cease and desist letters to us. And that will, yeah, if you do get that, that's a success. Um, Straight to the pool room. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, Greg Viney, anything else uh, before we wrap it up? Uh, no, that's all from me, I think. All right. Well, uh, boys, I, I want to uh, I want to thank both of you for um, joy. It is hard. It is hard uh, to come on, you know, a show like this and relive um, relive the misery of uh, following uh, this club. This is my comfortable place. <laughs> You're back. I find it easier than talking about good things and positive things. So, so if we have another decade, and let's try not to think about it, and you write a part two, uh, where are you going to slot in the 2018 season? Oh, <laughs> yeah, between the 2017 <laughs> season that ended in a fiasco and the 2019 season that started as a fiasco. <laughs> it's a, there's got to be a bit of positivity somewhere in there. Yeah. So. All right, boys. Well, hopefully um, we're back next week with some... Uh, Good, happy news, and uh, season's back on track. Um, yeah. All right. Go days. We'll see you next week, boys. <laughs>